What's going on guys? It's Nick here, back with another video. Today we're going to walk through the draft, talk about the best pick in every single round. For ADP, I'm going to be using a composite of ESPN, Yahoo, NFL Underdog, and Sleeper, which you can see for free on my website, thefantasyfootballadvice.com. So, let's start things off in round one. Cooper Cup, average ADP is fifth. My ranking is fifth. He is the only player in today's video that I do not have ranked ahead of ADP. That kind of makes sense for round one. Round one, we're typically going to see very accurate ADPs. And so you shouldn't be expecting me to rank someone fifth that has an ADP of 25th, right? Everyone's going to be basically around where they're going. But honestly, uh, even though I have him ranked at ADP, Cup is an absolutely amazing pick to make. Two years ago, he won people leagues with 145 receptions, 1,947 yards, and 16 touchdowns. Then last season, before getting injured, he was on pace for 153 receptions, 1,728 yards, and 13 touchdowns. And you look at this wide receiver core. Sure. I mean, uh, I guess not wide receiver core for this one, but Tyler Higby on like the receivers there. Uh, Higby's a quality tight end. Nothing special, but he's like a quality tight end. Uh, Van Jefferson, fine, good deep threat, not really going to command a high target share. Uh, Puka, I mean, I like him as a flyer in the 18th round of a fantasy draft, but we're not going to think that like Puka's commanding some insane target share. So not exactly a group that is going to have a ton of targets go to them. You'll get the running backs, fine. Kyron Williams may be the best in the receiving game, but Cam Akers, okay, but not that great in the receiving game, and you're like, Cooper Cup is in line to see 190 targets again this season with a potential, I mean, realistically, Cooper Cup could see 200 targets. If he stayed healthy for a full 17-game season, he's probably going to have 200 targets, and there is no indication the talent has fallen off, and let's be honest, the Rams are not going to be out there winning 14, 15 games. There's going to be plenty of times in the second half where it is Cup, Cup. Cup just over and over and over again. You look at the box score and you know, the game log, and you're like, wow, like how did he rack up 17 targets, catching 15 of them again? He's a very, very safe pick. Uh, one of only a handful of players, maybe less than a handful, that's actually capable of 150 receptions, 2,000 yards, and you get him in the middle of this, uh, the first round. That's a great pick. Second round, Garrett Wilson. Uh, average ADP is 19th overall. I have him ranked 16th. Um, I don't think it should be a bold take to say that next year, I think Garrett Wilson will be a top three pick in drafts. He was phenomenal in his rookie season. He won rookie of the year, commands 147 targets, ranked sixth among all wide receivers in that, in commanding those targets. And what's scary is that all of these targets were such low quality. Like he beat man coverage at a 79th percentile success rate as a rookie beat press at a 94th percentile success rate dominates the entire route tree. But because the Jets quarterbacks were so bad, he had those 147 targets, but he only brought in 56 and a half percent of them. And as per Graham Barfield, Wilson, White, Flacco, they ranked 32nd, 34th, and 35th among 36 qualified quarterbacks on percentage of highly accurate throws, 10 or more yards downfield. The Jets could not 
push the ball downfield with any sort of accuracy, no matter which quarterback was doing so. How does Aaron Rodgers rank on those throws? Fourth best in the league. We know for a fact Aaron Rodgers is a very accurate quarterback, has not seen a drop-off. Garrett Wilson is going from a situation that was worst in the league to now one of the best a season after even being in a league worst situation. He won Rookie of the Year, and you can get him in the second round of your fantasy drafts. That sounds amazing to me. Third round. Let's go to tight end. Mark Andrews. Average ADP, 29th. I have him ranked 24th. Um, what I keep going back to with Andrews is that, like, obviously last season was worst-case scenario for Baltimore. Still finishes third among tight ends in points per game. Uh, they played slow. They barely threw the ball. They didn't score. Lamar got hurt. Andrews got hurt. Again, finishes a tight end three in points per game. A year after finishing with 107 receptions, 1,361 yards, and nine touchdowns, becoming just the fourth tight end ever to have over 3,400 receiving yards in their first four years of their career. This season, Baltimore is going to play much, much faster. They're going to throw the ball at a higher rate. They are definitely going to score more touchdowns in last season. He's just by far the most likely tight end to challenge Travis Kelsey in scoring. And he won't cost you a mid-first round pick like Kelsey does. That's a lot of draft capital. That is a very high opportunity cost. Missing out on a mid-first round talent Many times, people have taken Kelsey over someone like Cooper Cup, we just talked about, who could have 150 receptions and 2,000 receiving yards. That's a huge opportunity cost. In the mid-third round, it's much less. You know, he typically goes after that initial drop-off at running back, after all these running backs are incredible, after this, like, first tier of wide receiver. You get into, really, like, the second tier of these players. Why not? Mark Andrews, very high upside, and honestly, very high floor. He wasn't terrible last season in a terrible situation. Round four, Jameer Gibbs. Uh, average ADP is 37th, so the early fourth round. I have him ranked 30th. Uh, I gave an in-depth take on Gibbs in yesterday's video, so check that out. It'll be like a you know, five-minute take, fully going in-depth on him. I would watch that for, for a better take there. Uh, but in short, I really think that he can have like an Alvin Kamara-like rookie year. Alvin Kamara was third in fantasy scoring in half PPR as a rookie thanks to 81 receptions, 13 touchdowns. It's the most important part of fantasy. Even if you're not playing in a full PPR format, touchdowns and receptions are important. It is okay that Kamara only had 120 carries in that season because receptions and touchdowns were there. Well, given how much they plan on using Gibbs and how much volume is available on this offense, I fully expect him to maybe not hit those numbers, right? I don't think Gibbs is going to finish as a running back three on average. I have him ranked 30th overall still, but I think he can approach those numbers. And I actually think he can go past the 120 carries that Kamara had in the rookie season. He has a top three ceiling. Like Gibbs is a top three ceiling this season. He can produce 75 receptions. He can have double digit touchdowns. And if he hits those numbers, he's easily going to be a running back one. And you can get him again in the early fourth round. That's great value. Fifth round, Damian Pierce. Average ADP is 54th. I have him 45th. Uh, I'm going to do a honorable mention here for Justin Herbert. I think between the two of them, I think Pierce is a little bit of a better value. 
But hey, let's say you started off running back heavy. You really wanted to get Pierce, but you're like, Nick, I already have two running backs. I don't prefer taking my third in round five. Hey, go for Justin Herbert. I think he's going to have an incredible season this year. But if you're looking running back in round five, I think Pierce is an awesome pick. He gained over 1,100 total yards last season on 250 touches as a rookie, and that was missing the final four games of the season. 250 total touches missing four games is a really, really good workload. And while Devin Singletary was added to the offense, he's going to get touches. There's actually a lot of touches to go around that were left behind from last season. Singletary is going to take the work of Darren Gubawale, Freeman, uh, Burkhead. Believe it or not, those running backs who are obviously scrubs, right? Obviously not good running backs. They actually had a lot of touches last season. They combined for 109 carries and 85 targets. Those three running backs combined for 85 targets. That's a lot of targets. And the Texans have also been open about wanting to get the running backs a little bit more involved in the receiving game this season. Well, that's fantastic news for Pierce, right? If you gave Pierce 10 more receptions last season and you didn't even add in a touchdown, these are 10 receptions that did not result in a touchdown, he moves from 23rd to 15th in points per game. And that's even if he remained inefficient in the receiving game, he got a little bit unlucky being as inefficient as he was in the receiving game last season. I think that's going to bump up. The targets are going to bump up. And hey, uh, they were terrible, right? I mean, they only won one game that he was active for. They should be able to string together a few more wins. We know being on a winning team is important for fantasy production for running backs. When you have 12 games played and you lose 11 of them, that's kind of tough, right? Uh, not going to lead to uh, as many like consistent carries. Still had plenty, but it's obviously better when you're winning of that winning game script, but also the touchdowns. I think that they can improve in that area. So if he's going up in touchdowns, up in reception, what are the two things we're looking for? Touchdowns and receptions. That's going to be really good for his fantasy value. I think he's a really good talent. Locked into that number one role. I'm not too worried about Singletary there. Awesome. Fifth round pick. Sixth round. Mike Williams. Average ADP 61st. I have him 51st. And we have another honorable mention. Uh, quarterback just misses out again. Uh, this time, Trevor Lawrence. Um, you all know that I love the Chargers offense. That's why I've got Herbert as an honorable mention in round five. I love the Jaguars offense. I think if you want to invest heavily in them, go with Trevor Lawrence in this round. But if you want to go with a wide receiver, I think Mike Williams is an exceptional value. Um, not only, obviously, because like if I like Justin Herbert, if I like the Chargers offense, I should like all the playmakers there. And I do. I mean, I like all of the, uh, the wide receivers. I like uh, Everett. I like uh, Eckler as well. But I think Williams is a really, really good pick this season. I mean, he was 12th in points per game in 2021. He gained 1,150 yards, nine touchdowns on 79 receptions. That's a really, really strong season. Uh, he was on pace for 90 receptions, 1,200 yards, and seven touchdowns before getting hurt last season. Then he returns from that injury, plays four more healthy games in those four games, season-long pace, 89 receptions, 1,500 yards, four touchdowns. So over the past two seasons... When he's been playing and when he's been healthy and not, you know, knocked out of a game due to injury, he's on pace, like a season-long pace of around 80 to 90 receptions, around 1,200 yards, and around seven to nine touchdowns. That sort of production is something you will absolutely take in the sixth round of fantasy drafts. And now I get the concerns, and I've brought this concern up plenty, that 
Quentin Johnston's a really good player. He's going to steal targets. And I think that's completely valid. But like, you know, they're talking about moving Williams around the formation a lot, getting him into the slot, getting him into mismatches, still using him as their featured weapon deep downfield. And if I think that Justin Herbert has a chance this season of breaking the single season passing yard record, like I shouldn't be too concerned about them adding a first round rookie wide receiver. I think the offense is just going to increase in efficiency. They're going to score more than last season. They're just going to be better than they were in a down year last year. And if he was producing really, really well in a down year for the offense, what's he going to do if they do break out and Herbert is throwing for north of 5,500 passing yards? So definitely if Mike Williams can stay healthy, I think he's in line for a fantastic season. Great pick at that ADP. Round seven. David Montgomery, average ADP 81st, my ranking 64th. This is the second Detroit running back that I have on this list. And we, again, don't need to go too in-depth here because of just the sheer amount of times I have talked about both of these two and the situation. But it's just such an easy flag plant to have this season. I am planting a flag on the Lions running back core and a wide receiver we're going to mention a little bit later in today's video. Oh. We just saw last season, and this is what I don't get sometimes is like fantasy is so um, recency bias driven. Like we see so much recency bias and what players um, are like hyped up in ADP or taken down in ADP just based on what we've just saw last season. And yet we're coming off a year where two lesser running backs just dominated fantasy in scoring. And now they're upgrading both running backs and people don't care that much. I mean, some people do, but these ADPs are much lower than they should be on these two running backs. And it's not just that, you know, Montgomery is probably going to shatter this ADP on average, right? Just on average, even with a healthy Gibbs, he's going to still be involved in the receiving game. They're going to score a lot of touchdowns and they want the running backs to be very involved in the red zone. So he's a great pick, even if Gibbs stayed healthy. But think about the ceiling if Gibbs ever got hurt. I mean, Montgomery is fully capable of being a featured running back. He's never had below 200 carries. He's never had below 25 receptions. He's caught at least 34 balls in every year since his rookie season. Like, there is no doubt in my mind that he will have a solid role while Gibbs is healthy. I mean, Jamal Williams just had 262 carries last season. But he would be a top five running back if Gibbs ever went down. That's a slam dunk pick to make in round seven. You're getting someone who you can absolutely rotate in and out of that running back two spot, maybe into the flex at times when they're in these high scoring games, and then you're just waiting. He's a good pick all season, and then if Gibbs ever went down, you have a league winner. You got to make that pick in round seven. Round eight, we've got James Cook, average ADP 88th. I have him ranked 77th. If we remember back to my machine learning predictions video, uh, just knowing nothing about their current situation, my model thinks that James Cook is a very clear breakout candidate this season. So it's extra exciting to see things that the model has no access to. The model has no idea that camp reports are very, very positive, that they're saying that Damian Harris is really just competing with Latavius Murray for that number two role, and that James Cook is the locked-in running back one for the Buffalo Bills. So you've got a lead running back on a Bills offense that's going to be very high-scoring, who is a very explosive runner, a very efficient runner, who is great in the receiving game, and he's going in the 
eighth round of fantasy drafts. Like that is just incredible value. The eighth round is really where you shouldn't be seeing running back ones anymore. I mean, honestly, you shouldn't be seeing them past like the sixth or seventh round, but in round eight, to get the running back one on a team, I mean, you're you're used to seeing mostly backups in this range. And while, you know, Buffalo isn't the perfect landing spot for running backs, right? I mean, like, obviously, you'd rather have the running back one on the Lions, the best offense in football for running back production. Um, most of it is because Josh Allen runs it so much and steals touchdowns. But they have talked about limiting Allen's rush attempts this season. And if they want to do it to keep him healthy, I mean, you're limiting his rush attempts between the 20s where he can run out of bounds he can slide like there's no real incentive to just run into like 60 people and get injured or are you limiting his rush attempts near the goal line well that's going to be the highest rate of injury right you're not really going out of bounds near the goal line you've got a much better chance of diving into defenders if they want to keep him healthy and limit these carries they're going to limit it more in that area well, that's the most important area for James Cook. And if so, he if he sees, you know, more carries in the red zone, more targets in the red zone, that's going to be really good for his production. And let's be honest, in the eighth round, we don't need 12 touchdowns from James Cook. If he scores seven to eight times, that's going to be more than enough. And given the fact that, again, like I said, he's highly efficient on the ground, he's great in the receiving game, he's going to be awesome. He's going to be a, a clear breakout if he scores seven or eight touchdowns. And I think that is well in his range of outcomes. Round nine, we're going to have Brandon Cooks, average ADP 97th. I have him ranked 84th. Cook has been someone that I've been on all offseason, and it just seems so incredibly unlikely that he's going to have a bad year. There are some picks out there that I really like that, you know, you have to admit have a low floor potentially, especially as we start moving into the later rounds. Everyone's floor really starts to give way. But not really Brandon Cooks. I mean, the worst case scenario is an injury, but that's the same thing with everyone. Can't take really that into account. And so you look at the other chance of busting and you're like, where is it? I mean, what is the chance that he busts? Like the Cowboys are obviously going to be an elite offense. They are very likely going to rank top five. Maybe it ends up being like sixth or seventh in scoring, but they're going to be a very, very good offense. They've been top five back-to-back years. It's probably going to happen again. And you look at the underlying metrics for cooks and it's like you can look at the box score and say oh he had a down year last year but not really like he was still very elite at getting open in the intermediate to deep areas of the field he was still beating man coverage and press coverage at very high rates it was just a similar story as it was with Garrett Wilson like it doesn't matter how open you are deep downfield if your quarterback can't throw it there and that was the problem with Davis Mills well that's going to be a huge upgrade over Davis Mills And there's a very real chance that Brandon Cooks can command like 100 targets a season. And if he gets 100 targets, and a lot of them are coming deep downfield, in this offense, yeah, he's going to shatter a ninth round ADP. And worst case scenario, do we really think that he's going to be clearly the number three wide receiver behind Michael Gallup? No. They're going to use Brandon Cooks in a ton of areas of the game. They're going to get him very involved in this offense. We have not seen a drop off. He's actually been having his best seasons of his career. If you look at the underlying metrics in Houston, he has been very good. We have not seen a drop-off. I don't think it happens this season. He is an awesome pick in round nine. In round 10, Samaj P. Ryan, probably a name that people weren't expecting to see in this video. Average ADP 111. I have him ranked 105. So not a crazy value, but I think a rock-solid pick in round 10. Honorable mention goes to Zay Flowers. 
Only reason I didn't include Flowers here is that I think he's great. I think he'll have a good role. I'm just not 100% sure what the target distribution is going to be for the Baltimore wide receivers. When everyone's healthy, you've got Odell, you've got Bateman, you've got Flowers. I don't know what the exact split is going to be. When I gain more confidence in that, maybe I would include him as the best pick in round 10. But right now, I think it's Pirine. Um, obviously, people are very excited about Javante Williams, and rightfully so. Uh, he has been... Uh, great when he's been healthy. Uh, it seems like his recovery is going very, very well. Uh, he is the number one running back on this team when both of them are healthy. But Sean Payton also uses two running backs very heavily, and the team's been very open about having a rotation between these two this season. And especially with Williams coming off a major knee injury, it would be sort of wild to see them just overload him with touches. If historically, Sean Payton has never done that with running backs, and now you've got one coming off a major knee injury, do we really think this is the first time where he's going to go against his word, against what he's done throughout his entire career, and just overload William? That would just make no sense to me. And so you've got P. Ryan, uh, one of the first additions that Sean Payton made. Uh, he wanted him on the team, and he's a fantastic fit because if you bring in a backup running back that's only good on the ground or only good in the receiving game, it's not really the best fit for a Sean Payton offense because you need that backup to contribute everywhere. They want to use them as a rotation, and they also want to use them in a number of different game situations. And so if you've got someone who's only good on the ground, well, that's great when you're winning. You can just kind of give them the rock. But like now when you're losing, can you even really use that running back? Now you don't have that rotation. If you only have a pass catching back, well, when you're winning, now you have to overload that running back one. And so to have someone like P. Ryan, who's good on the ground, good through the air, good in pass protection, like just good at everything, not great at anything, but good at everything, he can mix in, he can be that one B, and he can be used whether they're winning whether they're losing, whatever game script you have, he can be used. And so it's just a really valuable role to have. And when we think about fantasy, Sean Payton offenses have been great. Like New Orleans led the NFL with 11 top five finishes on offense in the 15 seasons he was there. And he's got a very, very long history of using multiple running backs. The number two running back in a Sean Payton offense has averaged 114 and a half carries per season. That's incredible. Like P. Ryan was a running back 37 last season. He only had 95 carries. So he's in line for more work than he had last year. He's going to have involvement in the red zone, in the receiving game. Just sets up so well. At the 10th round ADP, it makes him a very, very good value. Round 11, we've got Sky Moore. Uh, average ADP 130th. I have him ranked 98th. This is another player my machine learning model picked as a breakout. And again, it knows nothing about situation. All it knows is that Moore is a very quality wide receiver and that quality wide receivers command targets in the NFL. But this quality wide receiver also happens to be catching passes from Patrick Mahomes, who also happens to be missing his most and third most targeted wide receivers from last season. Sky Moore has also consistently been on the field with the first team offense in camp so far, has been moved around the formation. That's also not new. They were doing that last season. They were setting him up for a nice year two, and he's fully capable of commanding targets on his own, which is not something you can say even when he's fully healthy, fully back for Tony. 
Kadarius Toney has never proven that he can consistently command his own targets in the NFL and missing all of camp. Like I, I just think Sky Moore is set up to be their number one wide receiver this season. And he's set up to also command 110 to 120 targets. I see a lot of people talk about, well, how, okay, like maybe none of the Kansas City wide receivers are really going to be great in fantasy. And that's certainly possible. We kind of started that last season. Um, Juju, I would say, at times was viable and he was commanding, he commanded 101 targets on the season. He had his weeks, right? I think if Sky Moore can get to 110, 120 targets, he'll be someone, given how efficient this offense is, that you are consistently using as a wide receiver two, maybe a wide receiver three, and that's valuable in the 11th round. I just think he's the most likely to fill that role, and if I'm right and that Tony really just can't command targets, Tony's still just going to be a gadget player, and there is going to be a chance that Sky Moore can have a really strong role in this offense, and if we're consistently starting him in fantasy... Obviously, he has a lot of upside catching passes from Mahomes and being on this offense. Round 12, Elijah Moore. Uh, average ADP 135th. I have him ranked 88th, well ahead of ADP. Uh, and what do you know? Another wide receiver my model thinks is going to break out, uh, even without knowing that the situation is getting an unbelievable upgrade, uh, and especially an upgrade in opportunity. Like Elijah Moore, he was also part of that horrific Jets quarterback situation last season. Um, and the season before. Uh, now he's going on to the Browns. They're going to play faster. They're going to throw it a lot more. And just the opportunity is going to be there. Like the Jets hated Elijah Moore for some reason. I don't know why. He's a great wide receiver. They hated him. They refused to feature him, refused to throw him the ball when he was consistently open. Then when they finally chose to use him, the ball would just sail over his head because they didn't have a quarterback who could throw. It's going to be the opposite. And it's the opposite so far of what we've seen in the Browns camp so far like they're moving him all around the formation they're lining him up as a running back he's getting carries in the backfield they're giving him targets out of the backfield that's incredible to see they're going to make mismatches for him and he's just going to be given so much more opportunity than he was on the Jets and given what we've seen thus far I think that like even starting in week one He's someone you could realistically start in fantasy. And that is not something you can say about people in rounds 12 plus. That you could actually draft him and start him in week one. That's how good I think he's going to be. Again, I talked about uh, being a flag plant later in the video. The Lions running backs are my flag plant this season. And so is Elijah Moore. He is my most rostered wide receiver of any wide receiver in the ADP of the top like 15 or 16 rounds. I have two wide receivers that go in rounds like 17 18 roster a little bit higher but among picks that you're typically making in a redraft league elijah moore my most rostered wide receiver i'm extremely confident he's going to have a good season another player i really like that i haven't really talked about a lot uh recently i talked about him a lot more earlier in the offseason not as not as much in the last like two or three weeks that's nico collins round 13 uh average adp 156 I have him ranked 124th. There's just a lot to like about Nico. Uh, he seems to be the top target in camp right now. Uh, and there are a lot of underlying metrics to like 
as well. He was on pace for 119 targets in his nine healthy games last season. And in the one game, the one game sample we have uh, of him playing without Brandon Cooks, he did command 10 targets. So we know the targets are there. Again, targets are earned in the NFL. He can command targets at a very high rate. As for Matt Harmon, he beat man coverage at a 64 percentile rate, press coverage at a 74th percentile rate. I think that's a lot higher than people assumed it would be for Nico. He actually was pretty decent last season. He's six foot four, 215 pounds. And so you've got those underlying metrics of him being able to get open, being able to command targets, along with that height and weight profile. Like he's very clearly an X wide receiver, fully capable of posting a spiked touchdown season. And even if you're not some big CJ Stroud truther, like you have to admit that Stroud is definitely better than Davis Mills. So there are a lot of reasons to be excited about Nico Collins. You really can't get number one wide receivers this late in the draft. And if Stroud is any good, any better than Davis Mills, which he definitely is, the 13th round is an awesome value to take Nico Collins. Round 14, going back to tight end, Sam Laporta. This is the tight end that I would be taking in the later rounds as your flyer. Average ADP 166. I'm ranked 155th. Uh, beat reporters have been very consistent in saying that Laporta is the obvious choice as their tight end one, even in week one, and he looks extremely comfortable even for rookie tight end. Now, I know rookie tight ends can be very scary to draft since they rarely work out. We have seen it recently. Pitts worked out as a rookie, had over 1,000 yards, but it's rare. But knowing that he's going to get snaps right away is huge. I mean, rookie tight ends... They typically bust because they struggle to carve out a meaningful snap share. It's not that they can't catch, right? They're still very athletic players. And it's not that they can't run routes. They've been doing this in their career. This isn't their first season playing football. So Laporta can catch. Laporta can run routes. That's not a problem. What makes it difficult for them to produce in fantasy is that it takes a long time for coaching staffs to fully trust them. And so the snaps aren't there. Even if they're playing well with the snaps they're given you don't typically see a high snap share for a rookie tight end. But Laporta, like, Detroit needs him. They need him to play a ton of snaps, even in week one. Jamison Williams is suspended to start the year. They don't have Hawkinson anymore. They don't have DJ Chark anymore commanding targets. Zilstra's done for the year, so that's another tight end in their depth chart that's out of there. Like, they need playmakers. They need him to be effective, to earn targets, and to be used right in week one. So I fully expect the snaps to be there early in the season. And if that happens, I think he's going to be a very productive fantasy tight end, even as a rookie. Great pick in the later rounds. Round 15, Jalen Warren. Average ADP 175. I have ranked 128th. Uh, now, I don't think Warren has any chance of overtaking Najee Harris just as a star with Najee healthy. I think that'd be kind of ridiculous to think it's going to happen. But I think the Steelers are going to run the ball a ton, a lot more than people think. And I do think that they have trust in Jalen Warren. Uh, this won't be a full Pirine situation where, like, you know, we're going to see a big rotation between Williams and Pirine. And I think you could actually start Pirine even with Williams healthy. I don't think a lot of you are going to be, like, consistently starting Jalen Warren while Najee is healthy. Um, I think it would be more of like, you know, you're in a 12, 14 team league, multiple flex spots, and you like really need him. And like, uh, you know, you've got a few injuries, got a few bye weeks. It's more of a desperation fill in play. I think that's more his role while Najee's healthy. But if Najee went down, which I know, you know, again, um, 
recency bias for everyone. Najee hasn't been missing time. He hasn't been injured. And so in people's minds, he's invincible. But if he went down, which is fully possible for a running back that sees over 300 touches a year, then I don't think they look for someone else. For many, many, many backups that people are drafting these later rounds, teams would just sign someone. There would be a rotation. You would not get a featured running back situation. And so when you get those situations where you think the backup running back would actually be featured if the starter went down, you got to jump on it. And given how much they trust him, given how good he is as a runner and a pass catcher, I don't think we have to worry about Warren like not seeing a role change if Najee goes down with injury. If Najee goes down, you're going to see a featured running back role for Jalen Warren. And listen, this is also someone who over the last month of last year was averaging close to 11 touches per game with a healthy Najee Harris. So if he's going to be in that general range of like 9 to 11 touches just on average, you got to think he's bumping up well beyond that if Najee goes down. That's upside I want this late in drafts. And honestly, the same thing is true for a round 16 player, Tank Bigsby, ADP 184, my ranking 129th. Uh, Tank is also fairly unlikely to become a lead back and to be highly productive in fantasy while Travis Etienne is healthy. It's just not really going to happen, right? He's great in the receiving game. He's awesome at the goal line. He'd be a featured running back on an elite offense if ETN ever got injured. Um, like, how do you say no to that in round 16? That's probably like the last round you're going to be drafting uh, a skill player in general, but definitely last round you're drafting a running back. You're going to get a player who is good in the areas that are most important in fantasy, who's been getting a ton of buzz. Now, the buzz is honestly unfortunate, right? We don't want players we like getting a ton of buzz in camp. And I'm hoping it doesn't translate into the preseason because I want everyone to continue being able to draft him late. But he's definitely a player that could shoot up boards in the preseason if he's got a great catch, if he scored. Like if he has a two touchdown game, you better believe his ADP is instantly going up a round or two. Uh, so hoping for no big plays, hoping for no touchdowns. But hey, uh, those of you who have been drafting with the rankings already have a ton of him. And so if his ADP goes way up, it's not all bad. Um, we're not going to get as much like amount of him in total, but our closing line value is going to be really, really good. And if you want to get in on the action before the ADPs of all these players go up, because for most of them, their ADPs are going to go up as we work into late August, then make sure you're doing drafts on underdog. I personally prefer it to season-long fantasy. Uh, and it's a way for you to, you know, take the best part of fantasy, which is definitely drafting, without having to join 10 season-long leagues and make a million waiver moves, look at 100 trade offers, figure out who to start between like four or five options that are projected within 0.2 points of each other. Underdog is the peak form of fantasy because you get all that excitement of drafting and of watching your players all season long, but not all that time spent setting lineups, making those decisions, figuring out waiver moves. That's not the fun part. The fun part is drafting and watching your players. And since you can do drafts for as little as $3, and you can do a ton of them for the same cost as one season-long league. So that way you're going to even out your exposures. You're not going to draft one team be like, well, these are my players. Hope my starting running back doesn't get injured. You're going to even out those exposures. You're going to ensure that you have teams with all of the players you like this season. So if that sounds good to you, we've got an incredible promo going on right now. 
if you sign up using promo code FFA, not only will Underdog match your first deposit up to $100, so if you put in $75, they'll turn it into $150, you're going to get all of my Underdog content for the entire season, which includes my rankings. You can upload directly to Underdog. They'll show up on your phone when you're drafting on the app, no matter where you are as the pre-draft rankings. But you're also going to get all of my redraft league draft rankings and my custom ranking sheet all for free. You're not going to find a deal like that anywhere else. And so all you have to do, again, sign up for your first underdog account today using promo code FFA, make at least a $10 deposit, and then enjoy a ton of drafts leading up to week one. So tomorrow, I'll be back to talk about all the news you need to know over the last few weeks. Sunday, talk about the wide receivers I have not been drafting this season. And then Monday for another episode of Mock Draft Monday. That, my friends, is in this one. Hope you all enjoyed. If you did, hop a like button, hop subscribe to the channel if you're new here. Thanks for watching.